She's the national woman's football captain and has played 170 times for Banyana Banyana. But she's also a football club owner, a big Man United fan, and in 2020 was signed by Glasgow City. So first up, just how has Janine van Veek adapted to the Scottish lifestyle and all that goes with it? Well, to be very honest with you, I haven't experienced that side yet because COVID obviously restricted some of that social side of things. And for me to be able to see the Scottish lifestyle on the outside, um, I went in strictly and we were like under you know strict circumstances of being in a bubble. Um, so we weren't really allowed to go out and experience the pub lifestyle. So, so have you tried a haggis yet and have you had a deep fried Mars bar? I have not had any of that and I've, <laughs> you know, I have many people ask me if I've tried haggis and a lot of people have said I shouldn't try haggis <laughs> because it's not very good tasting. Um, and I'm not one to experience food a lot so if someone tells me that it's, it's not a very good taste then I'd rather not. Um, but more on the, the fried sweet things I would definitely try but I haven't tried that. Now a couple of other things stand out uh, about the city of Glasgow um, Janine and, and that is the, the intense rivalry between Celtic and Rangers and, and have you been exposed to that and have you got a sense of just how, how deep rooted that is? Yes, most definitely. I have a friend that lives in Scotland. He's a diehard Rangers fan. Um, he even took me to the Rangers stadium, so I got to experience that a little on the outside and been taking pictures and stuff. Um, and I'm very happy that Bungani Zungu signed for Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. Because he and I obviously caught up in France when he played in France for the World Cup. Um, and we, we caught up and had a, a, a dinner together. So... I think when I return, I'll catch up with him again and watch a couple of games, obviously, when we're allowed to do that. Um, so I kind of am leaning towards more the Rangers side, um, but I'm not saying anything because Rangers also have a ladies team, so and that's also our, our kind of rival. So I just keep quiet because, I mean, they're very culturalistic about this whole Celtic Rangers thing. and. You can't really mention which one you support because you can get in trouble for it. Apparently, I don't know, and you know. So I'm, I'm well aware of it, um, and it's quite interesting. But I'm definitely am leaning towards the the Rangers side of, of things. Now, now you mentioned Rangers and 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 uh, Bungani Zungu having having signed for them, and they've obviously got quite a. A high-profile or famous manager in the form of uh, Steven Gerrard, the former Liverpool star. If I read between the lines, though, on social media, you're more a Man United fan, would you say? I'm definitely a Man United fan. I'm quite a bit embarrassed to say it now, but because of the way we play. But I've always been a United fan since I was little. Um, and yeah, I mean, you have to stick by your team no matter what, but I've always enjoyed watching Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard as players. Um, you know, I always idolized them. They were good leaders on the field, off the field. Um, and yeah, I'm still a very big fan of, of Steven, Steven Gerrard, despite the fact that he, he played for Liverpool, but you know, it's about the, the, the personality and the player that he was that I respect him so much. Um, and I think he's done extremely well with, with Rangers as a team. And seeing um, 
you know, the best in Bongani Zungi are very own South Africans. So um, I'm just happy and hopefully I'll, I'm pretty sure I will get to meet him one day. Uh, who is your, your earliest uh, United hero then, Janine? And, and, and roughly when did you start supporting the side? Roughly supported the side when I was very young with my cousins, my uncle. Um, basically, my whole family is United fans. Um, and then I idolized David Beckham um, because he was such a good player, good free kick taker. And that is what I practice day in, day out is my free kicks because of him. Um, so, yeah, I think he was one of my favorite players. And then growing up a little older was more Roy Keane because he was this hard-fighting bloke on the field that, you know, would always leave everything on the pitch um, and fight for his teammates. So uh, that is who I really enjoyed watching most of the time. Now, as your career has gone on, I mean, you've won 170 caps for Banyana Banyana. You've played in Denmark, in the States, and we'll get to that. You're now playing in, in Scotland. You played in South Africa, obviously, where Korea started. Um, as your career has gone on, I mean, you mentioned some of the, the, the male heroes of your career. Are there players in the, in, in the female game that you, you look up to and aspire to? When I was younger, I heard of the likes of Mia Hamm. Um, and Bridget Prince from Germany uh, because we always got shown video in the national setup of these star players. Um, we never really got to watch them, but we got to see video clips of the, the players. Marta being one of them, um, I really idolized her. She's very skillful, coming from a difficult background as well, and, you know, making a, a career out of, you know, where, where she grew up. Um, very small town and then obviously getting to play against her was one of my career highlights as well um, when I played in the States and when we played obviously Brazil in um, in Rio so uh, those are the kind of players that are, are looked up to as, as, as a youngster because um, those are the players that we were, were shown to but Within South Africa, probably Portia Medici, when I just got into this, the, the national setup, she was this fantastic player. We all know what a kind of player she was, um, breaking records, scoring too many, so many goals. So that was one player I also looked up to when I was when I just came into the national setup. But otherwise, it was always always male male players that I idolized mostly. What about currently now, Janine? Because there's no doubt that the, that the American women's team have, have set the standard for the past few years. And I think in the wake of the last World Cup in France, uh, in the likes of Megan Rapinoe have certainly grabbed the, the headlines or the limelights and led the way in terms of voicing their support of, of their sport and their women's game in the States. Um, would you say they, they've taken on the role as almost global cheerleaders for, for women's football from a global sense, not just in, in the United States? Yes, most definitely. They started it all. Um, they fought for equality and they had all right to. I mean, they've been champions for I don't know how long um, and they are seen as the best in the world. And once you become the best in the world for so many times, um, you start having a voice. Um, and it's difficult from our side because people expect us to do the same, but yet 
we really hasn't, haven't really achieved what the United States have achieved. And I think you see a couple of other countries starting to follow, like Denmark, like Norway, um, Brazil, national team fighting for equality. And it all started with the U.S. national team starting, you know, having a voice, taking a knee, um, and, you know, getting into all of that. And Megan Rapinoe is obviously the, the voice of of women's football for us. Um, that's what I see. So, um, like I say, once you start becoming successful um, and you're out in the spotlight constantly, you you have a voice and they feel that they need to use their voice in order to fight for women's football, which is, which is absolutely right. Um, so hopefully in the near future, South Africa can, you know, gain the same from, from that. Like you said, she's been very vocal and, and has led the, the, the American voice from a female uh, woman's football point of view. She's also become a, a global gay icon in, in, in the women's sports sense. Uh, Janine, do you, in that sense, do you, do you look up to her as well as someone who, who is, um, is leading the way and is proud of, of everything about her background? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that came out and have raised their voice and about equality, gender equality, um, being gay, out and open. Um, but for me, myself, even before then, I was open and I really, never really spoke out about it, only really when I needed to. Um, and um, I think it's just opened up so many doors for athletes to also come out and feel that they they shouldn't hide who they are um, because you have all these celebrities, all these famous athletes that have also now come out um, about who they are, what they want to be, what makes them happy. Um, and I think for youngsters, it just sets a tone for them to, you know, not feel that they need to hide away or shy away from, from that. Um, and I know there, there were a lot of young athletes still in South Africa that are afraid to come out um, because of, of who they are. But once they've realized that myself and Megan Rapino and many other female athletes, especially in, in, the, in the football aspects of athlete life, um, have come out and it's perfectly normal. Um, you know, we, we live in an era now where, you know, it's, it's about, you know, you being happy as an individual. It's not no more in the old school way of, you know, strict rules of, you know, male and female being together. It's about you being happy as, as an individual. Well, let's go back a bit, Janine, because uh, like you mentioned, you came out quite a long time ago and you're from, I would say, you know, Alberton traditionally might be seen as quite a conservative part of um, the broader Gauteng region. Um, I don't know if that's fair to say, but um, it was obviously quite brave, you would say, from for you to come out in your teens, am I right? And and how did that how did that play out and, and, and how did you deal with that as as a youngster? Well back then it was very difficult and challenging, um, and a lot of lost a lot of friends. Um, my family kind of I wouldn't say disowned me, but for three months would push me away. Um, so it was it wasn't as easy as it would be as it would be now. Um, if people come out now, it's normal. It's out in the open. A lot of people are out about it, um, and it, it's, it, it's almost it's accepted nowadays. You know, whereas back then it was 
it wasn't and it was difficult. So, you know, I had to start with my family. I had to start with my parents and they were most disappointed, but it took them three months to actually get used to it because I wasn't going to change. Uh, I always, I always said that I'll get put on, on earth and I need to make myself happy and I can't please other people. And that's what I've always said. And I've said to my parents as well, and I'll continue saying it's, you know, when I go and speak at schools that you need to be happy within and be yourself. Um, I never, you know, love to please other people. Um, because you are going to be the one that's going to be disappointed in yourself and hide away from who you truly are. Um, so it was difficult right in the beginning um, because it wasn't accepted back then a couple of years ago. But I think it is much easier today to come out and speak out about you know, what you want in life and who you want to be. Do you think we've got a problem generally in, in South African culture, uh, Janine, not just from a sports point of view, that that, that that is still, even though, like you said, it's easier now to, to perhaps come out uh, and de- declare your, your sexuality, that, that we're still a, a relatively conservative culture by nature? Yeah, I, I do think so. I don't think only in South Africa. I, I still think across the world there you find those people that are very judgmental on, on these things. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just the newer generations that come up, um, my kind of age that people, you know, have come out when they were a lot younger. So it's a lot more accepted with their, their kids, um, and the next generation's coming up and, um, it is, I wouldn't, I don't know how to say it, but it's a lot more popular. It's not more common that you find same sex relationships yes um, yeah so so that's i mean it's just it's just normal and accepted more so often although you still find the very older generation that would never accept it because that's not that's not how they were brought up and that's not what their their beliefs were so i think it's changed over the years let's continue going back janine and let's look at how you you first got into football as a youngster um uh, you mentioned that you, you're from a, a football mad family. Is that where it started, and and, and did you play with siblings? Um, I wouldn't say siblings because my sister is not a very athletic person at all. I only have one sister, um, but more so with my cousins. My uncles were all uh, footballers. My grandfather was, was a footballer, um, and we were on the side of the football field weekend every weekend, uh, kicking the ball with my cousins. Uh, school holidays, I was in the garden playing football. Um, so I joined, you know, a football club with my cousins um, at the age of five, six years old um, with the boys and played with the boys up until 14. Um, so, yes, it was it was always in in my blood. My dad always wanted a boy, so he had no, he had no problem with me playing soccer at all um, because he had his, his first girl and then he wanted a boy, and obviously that didn't work out. But I happened to be a, a tomboy, so I, I kind of, you know, relate. He kind of accepted that, and I think he was one of the the guys that accepted when I first came out being, you know, gay. And um, yeah, I think it's it's it was always in our our blood playing football um, and being on the side of a football pitch. 
um, and that's where it all really started. Now you obviously you, you started your career, you progressed to the ranks, you played for for local clubs here in South Africa. But seven or so, seven eight years ago, you decided to set up your own club, JVW FC, and was that because you just didn't see enough of, of support for women's football in, in, in this country, and, and, and that you felt that you needed to take control of of, of a platform or a club where you could uh, you, you could ensure that development for young young girls coming through. Yeah, that's exactly the reason. Um, I saw so much talent in our country that wasn't recognised. I saw, I mean, I went into schools to coach um, when I was still playing, went into schools, and there were hardly any schools that had women's soccer. But although the girls wanted to play, you know, the principal or the sports coordinator would always, you know, refuse to have a ladies' soccer team. And that is the reason why I started my own football program for girls is because there wasn't enough opportunity for these girls to, to, to play. And going into the schools, um, you know, having meetings with principals and giving them reasons why they should be. And as the national captain, um, I thought it would be important to make a difference in, you know, in women's football in our, in our country. Um, and just giving these young girls an opportunity to play and express themselves, express the talents that they have, and you know, give them hope that there would be something for them out there. So once we started in the schools league, going into the schools, there were more and more girls starting to play, more teams that were allowed to play in the school setup. That was in 2012. And then once I started recognizing all these girls that have so much talent and they could only play in, at school level and nowhere else because you you find your one or two girls playing with the boys just like I did, but there there weren't enough girls to make you know a girls team for them to play in in, in an environment where they could you know express themselves in a comfortable way. Um, I know from my experience it was always difficult playing with the boys. You know, boys would always try and get you down, try and tell you that you shouldn't be playing the sport. That was back in the day. And I just wanted to give these girls the opportunity to play in a comfortable, free environment where their parents, you know, wouldn't be on their backs because they're playing with boys, they would get injured. Um, they should rather play hockey or netball, take up that sport where they actually have interest in playing, playing soccer. And that is when I created the JBW Girls Football Club was in 2013 because I thought of these talented girls in the schools league that I identified, but there was no club for them to go to except going into the townships where, again, their parents wouldn't you know, take them. So that is the reason why today I have a, a girls schools league um, that is still currently running with over 3,000 girls in Gauteng participating in, in this league. And then, obviously, my football club that I have about 90-odd players playing five different teams that I have um, playing in, in this setup. So it's grown enormously. I mean, I started with nine girls in the football club, and today I have over 90 girls playing in the football club and only started with, I think, 15 girls' school teams in 2012, and today we have about close to 400 school, school teams participating in. So it's grown enormously, and I'm just proud of 
what I have established and just giving the platform for young girls to express themselves and seeing, you know, the girls flourish in the game um, and girls coming out of the school with me into my football club and now representing the national team at youth level, one of them being the captain of the national team under 17. Um, it's, it's just amazing that, you know, it's in such a short space of time over the years, it has grown so much. So if we had done this, or if someone had done this a couple of years ago, where would women's football be at, you know, today in South Africa? It can't just take one person to to have something like this in one province, and it's 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 massive. Um, so if every other female footballer in their, their own province could do something like this, and Dylan, it wasn't... It wasn't about money because we all know female footballers don't earn a lot of money. So yeah. it's not that I had an extreme amount of money to put this in place, this program. It's just all about passion, love and dedication to the game that has allowed it for me to, to grow. And it was the little bit of money that I had saved from us receiving money from the national team that I could you know, take out of my pocket to actually buy a Cecil franchise team to have my to start up my own football club. Um, and that is how it all started. And Janine, is this is this something I mean you're thirty three now, is this something you see yourself devoting yourself full time to post playing and, and how much longer do you think you can be keep playing at the highest level? Yes, most definitely I've established something that is my own. Um, I definitely want to get into coaching, youth coaching definitely um, I have done my CAF B license, looking to do my Europe, my um, um, UEFA badges as well while I'm in Scotland, which is the plan, um, because I feel that I have so much knowledge and experience to share with youngsters. Um, I've been through what they are currently going through, you know, experiencing with the difficulties with the national team, traveling into Africa um, as a female footballer, dealing and balancing your education and your sport at the same time, which is very difficult to do. So I, I feel I have a vast amount of experience to share with youngsters as on and off the field as well, life experiences, what they're going currently through with, with their parents, coming out as, as a, a, a gay person. And I feel I have so much to share with with these young girls and so much that I have in common with them that I could help them with in their careers, in their football careers. So I definitely feel that um, once I'm, I'm, I'm done playing, that is the direction that I'll take as, as a coach. Obviously, I want to be a head coach of the national team one day. Um, that is my ultimate goal one day. Um, but now, you know, helping the youth develop um, is something that I'm you know, currently doing and uh, while I'm still playing. But I feel in terms of my own personal career, um, I have achieved a lot. And what I wanted to achieve is going to a World Cup, leading my country to, to a World Cup. Um, and hopefully, I mean, with all these setbacks coming in, having a knee injury after knee injury, there's always days where you feel like, no, I'm, I'm done. And when you see the youngsters coming up and you just want to be with the youngsters and help them, 
And then there you have some good days where you get a signing of Glasgow City coming up. They play in the UEFA Champions League. So now I'm thinking, okay, there's still more that I'm able to get. There's still more that I want to achieve in my career. So um, you get some good days, you get some bad days. There's many a times where I said, tomorrow I'm going to tell people I've had enough, I'm handing my boots. But then tomorrow will come and something else will pop up and I'm like, okay, I'm not ready. So I don't think I'll ever feel ready to to just retire. But I think my body will know when, you know, to call it quits. And I feel that I'm still able to give another couple of years um, and see what I can achieve in those couple of years. So hopefully next World Cup we can qualify for that. And probably that would be my last. But and there's one thing that I would love to achieve is... Um, getting being crowned African champions. Um, we haven't done that. We've always earned a silver medal or a bronze medal, never that gold medal. So I think that is something that I would, would like to achieve while I'm still playing. I think that is still possible in a couple of years that I still have left of my football career. Well, few would bet against Janine van Vaak driving Banyana Banyana to that elusive first African crown or going on to coach the national team with distinction once she's retired. But first up, she needs to get her head around haggis and sink her teeth into a deep-fried Mars bar. Glasgow, here we come.